Cable news, noisy, boring, out of touch. That's why Salem News Channel is different. We keep you in the know. Streaming 24-7 for free. Home to the greatest collection of conservative voices like Dennis Prager, Jay Sekulow, Mike Gallagher, and more. Salem News Channel is unfiltered and unapologetic. Watch anytime, on any screen at snc.tv and local now channel 525 today on cornerstone connection with pastor gary hamrick real love is calling listen opens up your eyes mercy is waiting for you with every sunrise he tells us in in verse 2 and many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, some to shame and everlasting contempt. Now this speaks in general about life after death for everybody. You do know that, right? There's life after death for everybody. The human soul never dies. The question is, where will you spend eternity? This is Cornerstone Connection, the radio ministry of Pastor Gary Hamrick of Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. Pastor Gary is teaching through Daniel. There are so many different theories as to what will happen to you when you die. It can be confusing and frustrating to figure out which one is actually right. The Bible says that when someone dies, they will spend eternity in heaven or hell because they either accepted Jesus as their Savior or rejected Him during their lifetime. In today's message, Pastor Gary will encourage you to put your faith in Jesus today so that when you die, you will live in heaven for eternity with God. Don't reject Jesus. At the close of Pastor Gary's message today, I'll be sharing with you how you can get a copy of today's broadcast of Cornerstone Connection. Subscribe to the podcast or get in touch with us. But for now, let's join Pastor Gary in the book of Daniel chapter 11 as he continues his message, The End Times. If God's trying to get your attention, and some of you right now are wrestling with God, there's something going on in your life right now, probably, and God's trying to get your attention, and you know, you can, you can cry uncle and tap out early, or you can keep wrestling with him, it just is more painful. But you will eventually surrender, because God is going to do all he can to go after you because that's the kind of God he is. He pursues us because he loves us and he doesn't want any to perish. He wants none to perish, but all to come to repentance. He wants people to be saved. That's why he gave his son Jesus to die on a cross 2,000 years ago. He doesn't allow his only begotten son to be crucified on a cross except that it was the opportunity for anybody who believed in him to have their sins forgiven and be saved. You don't do that kind of a thing unless there's a great motivation behind it. God's great motivation was his love for the world. It's John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. The reason why God gave his son was because he loves a lost and dying world. So as many as received him to them that believed on his name, he gave the right to become sons of God. This is what the Bible tells us, okay? And so people can respond to Jesus and say yes and come into relationship with him even now. But there's going to come a day when the last of the last, the most stubborn are left on the earth. And God's going to use a series of cataclysmic events 
to try to get their attention. Now, again, we know human nature. When a crisis comes, and that's what tribulation will be, some turn to God. But when a crisis comes, others sometimes get angry at God, and they don't turn to Him. They just blame Him. And so that's going to be a mixture of what we see at the end times. When the tribulation comes upon the earth, the book of Revelation says that some get saved and some raise a fist and get angry to God. And, and, and so they refuse to get saved. But it is God's last attempt here. The tribulation is God's last attempt to wake up unbelievers. Number two, the tribulation is also an opportunity to shake up the nation of Israel. Now, there are many Jews who are coming to faith in Jesus Christ and believing that Yeshua HaMashiach, that Jesus is the Messiah. But the great majority of Jewish people today do not believe that Jesus is Messiah. One of the things that will come as a result of the tribulation period is an unprecedented number of Jews will come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah. It's what happens as a result of the tribulation. Let me quote from the prophet Zechariah. You don't need to turn there. But Zechariah 12, verse 10, God says, And I will pour on the house of David and on the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and supplication. And then they will look on me whom they pierced. Yes, they will mourn for him as one mourns for his only son and grieve for him as one grieves for a firstborn. Your attention. Zechariah the prophet also is given the future by God and looks at a time when Jesus returns and he stands on the Mount of Olives. And when that event happens, the Jewish people will see him and they will see the marks of his crucifixion. They will see the marks that he bears. And Zechariah says they will weep as one weeps bitterly over an only child that, that they've lost. In other words, when they behold Christ with the marks of his crucifixion, it will move them in an unprecedented number to put their faith in the one who stands before them. And Zechariah 13 verse 9 says that about a third of the Jewish population will come through the tribulation and put their faith in Christ. Zechariah 13 9, I will bring the one third through the fire. I will refine them as silver is refined and test them as gold is tested. They will call on my name and I will answer them. I will say, this is my people. And each one will say, the Lord is my God. In fact, the Bible tells us that during the tribulation period, God is going to raise up Jewish people as believers in Jesus, so much so that he's going to use 144,000 of them. Revelation chapter 7 says that God is going to pick 12,000 Jews from each of the 12 tribes of Israel who believe that Jesus is Messiah to serve as 144,000 witnesses who will testify of Christ throughout the earth during the tribulation time, and many will come to faith in Christ because of the 144,000 witnesses. Now, with all due respect to my Jehovah's Witness friends, they're just wrong because they say they're the 144,000. Uh, sorry. The Bible says that God selects 12,000 from each of the 12 tribes of Israel. That's the 144,000, not JWs, okay? The Jews. Just missing the E between the J and the W. <laughs> Romans eleven twenty six, Paul says, and so all Israel will, Israel will be saved. Because in essence, 
at the end of the tribulation, it will shake up the nation of Israel so much so that the Jewish people will come to the place of believing in Jesus as Messiah. And then the third reason that God is allowing the tribulation to come upon the earth in the future is to make up the kingdom of God. In other words, the final list of who are believers and who have rejected God will be drawn up. I mean, I don't know if you've ever thought about God's patience, but His patience, His long-suffering has a limit. And at the end of the tribulation, when Christ returns, it will be the end of any opportunity for anybody else to get saved. It's it. The door is shut. There is no more. You know, we take for granted, oh, we might have tomorrow. You're not not guaranteed tomorrow, by the way. But we all think about God's patience, His long-suffering. If I'm not ready to receive Christ, maybe I'll accept Him tomorrow, maybe next week, maybe next year, which again, you're not guaranteed. But there's actually going to come a day when there is no opportunity tomorrow or next week or next year, because at the end of the tribulation, the door for eternal life is forever shut. So it's important for us to understand that God is going to use the tribulation to accomplish these things. Now, as part of the tribulation, or what Daniel calls a time of trouble, will emerge one known in the Bible as the Antichrist. If you look again here at Daniel chapter 11, where we started our study at the beginning, the Antichrist is referenced in Daniel 7, 8, and 9, and now here again in chapter 11. When we were in the earlier chapters, I spoke more about the Antichrist, and I'm going to speak about him today. But in chapter 11, we get a little bit more insight into this guy who's going to come onto the world scene. In chapter 11, verses 36 and 37, I'll just read it again. It says, Then the king shall do according to his own will. He shall exalt and magnify himself above every god, shall speak blasphemies against the God of gods, and shall prosper till the wrath has been accomplished, for what has been determined shall be done. Verse 37. He shall regard neither the God of his fathers, notice, nor the desire of women, nor regard any god, for he shall exalt himself above them all. So verse 37 gives us some insight into the spiritual condition of the Antichrist. Okay, The Antichrist is possessed by Satan. So he's operating under the influence of, you know, satanic powers. But it says specifically here in verse 37 that he shall regard neither the God of his fathers. Okay, now pause there. The God of his fathers is a Jewish idiom. And it's talking about the heritage of Judaism, which implies to us that the Antichrist may in fact be Jewish, but that he will have no regard for the God of his fathers. In other words, he's going to be this secular atheist. He's Jewish by birth, it intimates in the text, but he is atheist by choice. He does not regard the God of his fathers. The word God here in the passage is Elohim in the Hebrew. Elohim is a common word used for God Almighty. By the way, it's a plural word in the Hebrew. Why would a plural word be used about a singular God? Because God is a singular God, but reveals himself in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It's actually a very appropriate word, Elohim, to be used about a singular God with three persons that he reveals himself as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Elohim is the Hebrew word used here, but the Antichrist will have no regard for the God of his fathers, no regard for God Almighty, nor, it says, the desire of women. He has no regard for the desire of women. This is another Jewish idiom. 
What it means is the Messiah. Every Jewish woman longed for the opportunity that God should so select her uniquely to give birth to Messiah. The desire of the women is a Jewish idiom, meaning the Messiah. Every woman wanted to give birth to Messiah. That ended up being exclusively reserved for Mary. That was God's providential choice. That's what we read about with the birth of Christ, God coming into our world, taking on flesh. So when it says here that the Antichrist has no regard for the God of his fathers, neither for the desire of women, it means he rejects Jesus as Messiah for sure. And he has no regard for any God, verse 37 says. Again, he's a secular atheist Jew. He has no regard for any God because he wants to exalt himself. It says it says in the rest of verse 37, for he shall exalt himself above them all. He has no room for God in his life because as far as the Antichrist is concerned, he is God, you see. And he wants to be worshipped as God. So four quick things about him. That's number one. The Antichrist will oppose God, proclaim himself to be God, and demand to be worshipped. And by the way, he will kill those who don't. People who will be martyred during the tribulation period will be martyred in large part because they don't take the mark of the beast to buy and sell, but in addition, because they don't bow down and worship the Antichrist. And when that happens, they'll be martyred. Also, the Antichrist will be a charismatic political world leader who will be given dictatorial powers by a ten-nation confederation to rule the world for three and a half years. He comes at the beginning of the seven years of tribulation, but he doesn't rise to power until the middle of it. And he'll be given this dictatorial power over the whole world. Thirdly, he will gather the nations together against Israel for the battle of Armageddon, which is the climax of the tribulation period spelled out in Revelation 16 and 17. But he will be overthrown by Jesus at the Lord's second coming, and he will be cast into the lake of fire. So all of that is part of the tribulation. But the other thing that Daniel sees here is a time of deliverance. And here's where it gets better for us. Because in chapter 12, verse 1, it says, And at that time your people shall be delivered, everyone who is found written in the book. God's people shall be delivered. Daniel has shown a time of deliverance. When will God's people be delivered? Well, I guess in the truest sense, we're delivered when we leave this earth and we finally shed this body of flesh and we go to be with the Lord. But in regards to the end times, the deliverance of God's people happens at the time of the rapture. The rapture is a word that is not found in the Bible, but the principle of the rapture is found in the Bible. Because what it teaches us is that there's going to be a generation of Christians who do not experience death. That there's going to be this trumpet call of God in heaven. And it tells us in the Bible in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 that Christians who are alive at the time when this trumpet blast sounds just prior to the tribulation, all this stuff we've already talked about is going to be avoided because a trumpet call sounds and God's going to take Christians who are alive at that time from the earth. Snatch us. Talk about body snatchers. We're going to be taken from the earth. This is good news. We're going to be lifted right from the earth, taken to heaven, get a glorified body on the way up. This is what 1 Thessalonians 4 tells us. Paul writes this, for the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. And then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up 
together with them, caught up in the, in the original Greek is harpazo. It means to be seized or snatched. The Latin of that translation is raptus, which means which, where we get our English word rapture, snatched, taken. We're going to be taken, caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall be with the Lord forever. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. Is that not comforting to know? We're going to be delivered, friends. This world is going to get nuts, and we're going to get delivered before it goes off the rails. Okay? Praise God for that. Now, some people, some people who love Jesus, I just disagree with them. They're brothers and sisters in Christ. Some people think we go through the tribulation. Some people read their Bibles and say, we go through the whole thing. And then God only rescues us at the end. Listen, at the end of 1 Thessalonians 4, the passage I just read, Paul writes, therefore, comfort one another with these words. I mean, it doesn't really make sense to say, hey, listen, 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 listen. God's going to rain down hail, fire, brimstone. Trees are going to be disintegrated. The blood's going to turn to ocean. Fresh water, I mean, sorry, the ocean's going to turn to blood. Fresh water's going to become bitter. A lot of people are going to die. But comfort each other with these words. No! Because when the trumpet sounds, we're out of here before all that happens. We're out of here. And then people will ask me some fun questions over the years. People will say things to me like, is the trumpet call of God when we're called out, is the trumpet call only heard by Christians? <laughs> will other people hear the trumpet call or only Christians? Is it like a dog whistle? Will only dogs be able to hear the whistle? Will only Christians? I don't know, and I don't care when the trumpet call sounds, I'm out of here. That's all I know. And then other people like speculate about, what if I'm on an airplane? And the pilot is a Christian? And the rapture happens, and the pilot is gone? What does that mean for me? What that means is you better get right with Jesus, quick. That's what that means. So you can go with the pilot. Because that plane's going down after autopilot goes off. <laughs> when the trumpet call sounds, God's people are going. And he's going to rescue us from this world. The last point, real quickly, that Daniel sees here is the time of the end. In chapter 12, it tells us in, in verse 2, And many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, some to shame and everlasting contempt. Now, this speaks in general about life after death for everybody. You do know that, right? There's life after death for everybody. The human soul never dies. The question is, where will you spend eternity? The soul never dies. Our body of flesh disintegrates, and for Christians, we get a glorified body, But the soul never dies. And so where will you spend eternity? What we read here is that there are two groups of people. Some will go on to everlasting life. Some to shame and everlasting contempt. The sum to everlasting life speaks of those who have chosen to put their faith in Jesus and will enjoy heaven for eternity. The sum to shame and everlasting contempt speaks of those who have rejected Jesus and will suffer the eternal consequences for that. There is judgment at the end of all this. In Matthew chapter 25, 31 to 32, Jesus said, When the Son of Man comes in His glory and all the holy angels with Him, then He will sit on the throne of His glory. 
And all the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate them one from another, as a shepherd divides his sheep from the goats. Jesus is going to judge all the nations, and he's going to separate the sheep from the goats. In other words, he's going to separate believers who have trusted in him, believe in him, from those who don't. There's judgment at the end of all this. In the book of Revelation, in chapter 20, verses 11 and 12, John says, Then I saw a great white throne, and him who sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God. And books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their works by the things which were written in the books. Very similar. What John writes in Revelation chapter 20 is what Daniel's writing here in Daniel chapter 12 when Daniel talks about, when he says here in, in the end of verse 1, at that time your people shall be delivered, everyone who is found written in the book. And then Revelation chapter 20 says there's going to be this great day when God's seated on the throne and the book of life is opened. What is this book? God has a book, in case you don't know. And the book it's a compilation of names, and the names that are written in the book are names of men and women and young people who have trusted Christ as their Savior, so that on the day of judgment, when God opens up the book and He sees your name, you're good to go. If your name's not in the book, then you'll be numbered among the sum to shame and ever, everlasting contempt. This is the way it works. Have you ever been to an important event and your name had to be in a roster in order for you to get into the event. So you had to stop at some station first to make sure your name. Last May, when I was asked by the Israeli ambassador to come down to the embassy, Israeli embassy in D.C., and pray at an event that he was hosting there, my name had to go on a list. And, and have you ever had some angst when you're at something like that? Well, I hope nobody screwed up and my name's not on the list because then, you know, what am I going to do? And, and so you get there. Give me your name. Here's some ID. Okay, your name's on the list. You're good to go. There won't be any screw-ups in heaven. Your name's either going to be on the list or not. And if your name's not on the list, you're not getting in. You say, well, how does my name get on the list? Anybody's name can get in the book if you surrender your life to Jesus. If you humble yourself and recognize your need for the Savior. The book of Acts tells us there is no other name given under heaven by which we must be saved, and that name is Jesus. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man gets to the Father except by me. There are not multiple ways to heaven. There's one. And some people balk at that. I've heard people over the years say to me, you know, I don't like a God who says there's only one way to get saved. I think all paths lead to God. Well, that's a very humanistic approach. Let me just tell you something. I'm thankful that God made a way. It happens to be the way. But I'm grateful that God made a way so that anybody can be saved. Anybody who humbles himself or herself and says, I'm tired of ruling my life. I need my sins forgiven and surrenders their life to the Lordship of Jesus. Can have their sins forgiven, be saved, go to heaven when they die and have their names written in the book of life. The book of life is mentioned eight times in the Bible, six times in the book of Revelation alone. Is your name in the book? If you have any doubts, don't leave here today without settling that. Your name can be in that book, and you can know that your name is there if you would surrender your life to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. 
as many as shall be saved, call upon the Lord, and He will save you. You've been listening to Cornerstone Connection with Pastor Gary Hamrick. Pastor Gary has been taking you through the book of Daniel, an Old Testament book of history and prophecy. If you have any questions about this series, the Bible itself, or the ministry of Cornerstone Connection, please feel free to reach out by calling 703-771-1500. And be sure to let us know how we can be praying for you. Again, our number is 703-771-1500. You can continue listening to Pastor Gary's messages right now as well by visiting our website, cornerstoneconnection.cc, or by downloading our mobile app. Pastor Gary also has some companion study resources for many of his teachings. These are located under the Teachings tab at cornerstoneconnection.cc and are free for you to use in your own study of the Word, including one that covers the book of Daniel. You're also invited to be part of our weekly worship gatherings here at Cornerstone Chapel. We're in the process of transitioning back into live services, so please visit cornerstoneconnection.cc for the latest information and service times, or join us online through our website, YouTube Live, and Facebook Live. Again, our website for the latest information is cornerstoneconnection.cc. Thanks for tuning in today, and we hope you'll join us again right here on Cornerstone Connection. They say you're a wandering soul That you've got no place to go But still you know